Cantonese kids. I'm Rose. And I'm Zara. And together we're presenting this weekly podcast about what's going on in our world today. Each week we cover top stories across world news, politics, science, technology, entertainment and arts. Hi, it's Rose here. This week we will be talking about progress in the race for a COVID-19 vaccine. How some school children have been protesting against distance learning. The latest news about Brexit. What's going to happen to petrol cars in the UK? A virtual climate change conference for young people and anti-bullying week. Hi, it's Rose here with an update on the coronavirus pandemic. There has been more positive news this week about vaccine developments, meaning we may be moving slowly closer to the end of this terrible pandemic. Following last week's news reports that a vaccine manufactured by the companies Pfizer and BioNTech had demonstrated a success rate of more than 90% in trials, it was reported this week that a second vaccine manufactured by the US company Moderna had been nearly 95% effective. Both companies use a highly innovative and experimental approach to design their vaccines. The Moderna vaccine trial involved 30,000 people in the US, with half being given two doses of the vaccine four weeks apart. The rest had dummy injections. The analysis was based on the first 95 people to develop COVID-19 symptoms. Only five of the COVID cases reported were in people given the vaccine and 90 were in those given the dummy treatment. The company said the vaccine is protecting 94.5% of people. Meanwhile, the Oxford vaccine, produced by AstraZeneca, released early-stage data suggesting that it would generate a strong immune response in adults in their 60s and 70s, raising hopes that it can protect age groups most at risk from the virus. The Oxford vaccine has not yet released detailed information about its Phase 3 trial. Pfizer and BioNTech also reported further information about their own trial, suggesting that it works equally well in people of all ages and backgrounds and was 94% effective in people over the age of 65 years old. Pfizer and BioNTech have now applied for emergency authorization of their vaccine, meaning it could be ready for use as soon as December separately. Early results from trials of a COVID vaccine developed in Russia called the Sputnik vaccine suggests it could be 92% effective. This positive vaccine use was met with relief around the world, with the hope that a combination of these successful vaccines will mean life can get back to normal. It will still take a while, however, as the vaccines need to complete their clinical trials, be formally approved by regulators, and then be made available for mass production. Meanwhile, the US passed a grim milestone last week of 250,000 deaths from COVID-19, reporting a total 11.5 million cases, making it the worst affected country on earth. Schools in New York City have been ordered to close again this week to try and contain case numbers. President-elect Joe Biden has confirmed his intention to make tackling COVID-19 a high priority once he takes office in the new year. President Trump has not conceded defeat, however, and is mounting legal challenges in battleground states. Thank you for the update, Trez. Hi, this is Zara. 
This week, I read an article about a 12-year-old Italian girl who has set up a desk outside her school after it was closed as a result of the restrictions imposed by the government due to the pandemic. Earlier this month, the government had ordered distance learning for all secondary school students and also for second and third year students in middle schools in red zones, basically areas of the country that had high case numbers. This included Turin and so Anita Yakovli decided to put on a willy hat and gloves, set up her desk and start studying on the pavement in Turin to show how much she disapproved of the closure of classes across the country. She has been joined by another one of her classmates. It isn't an easy environment to study in, but for Anita, sitting outside in the coast is better than more distance learning. She said, I miss everything about school. Taking face-to-face classes, looking the teachers in the eyes and not through a screen, being with my classmates. Schools in Italy shut down during the first lockdown this spring. They stayed closed until the autumn term when they opened, only to close again during the second wave. Italy is currently seeing about 30,000 new daily cases on average, with more than 33,000 people in hospital. Anita said, we will push on even if it snows, and has received encouragement from Italy's education minister, who Anita said has called her and told her that she would do everything possible to open the schools as soon as possible. Students in Rome and Florence has also followed her example and have set up their desks outside school. Some teachers have even joined in and are holding outdoor lessons in the courtyards of empty schools in places like Florence. Lots of experts have said that schools are not a significant factor in the spread of COVID-19. However, Italy is suffering a second wave worse than the first and there are doctors in northern Italy who are demanding that the army sets up camp hospital to be able to cope with the second wave. Some experts think that partial lockdowns introduced in red zones are now having some effect. This is such an amazing story and shows how important school is to children. I hope the Italian schools can open safely soon. Hello, this is Zara again and I am back with one of my favourite topics. Brexit. Now I don't know about any of you, but Brexit has been in the news for such a long time and with the headlines recently also dominated by the pandemic, I had forgotten where we were up to. So here's a bit of an update along with the latest news about Brexit. Now as you all know, on the 23rd of June 2016, people in the UK voted for the UK to leave the European Union and the UK left the EU on the 31st of January this year and entered the 11-month transition period where representatives of the UK government and of the EU will discuss what will happen with specific things like trading now that they have left. These negotiations will determine the rules for the new relationship between the EU and the UK from the 1st of January. So how have all the discussions been going? Well, negotiations started in March, but it hasn't all been positive. Over the summer, the EU's lead negotiator, Mr Michael Barnier, said that a deal seemed unlikely, and the UK said that it was not afraid to walk away from the negotiating table altogether. 
There have been lots of discussion about fishing and how much access the EU boats should have to UK waters, and also about state aid, whether the UK government should be allowed to help failing companies. There was also a lot of discussion following the government publishing the Internal Market Bill, which could overrule the withdrawal agreement that has already been signed by the EU. This week, talks began again between the two sides in Brussels. The president of the EU Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, said that there had been more movement on problematic issues after difficult weeks with very, very slow progress. But she warned that there were some metres to the finish line to reach agreement. Negotiations between the two sides have had to move online after a positive COVID result among the EU team and negotiations are now continuing via video link. However, some of the same sticking points remain so we will have to wait and see what happens. Mrs von der Leyen said that the fishing rights, competition rules and how our deals would be enforced are the three main issues in the negotiations. If a deal is not agreed before the 31st of October, the UK will have to trade with the EU on terms that are similar to the way in which, for example, the USA or China trades with the EU. That would mean tariffs and border check on the UK exports to the EU and the UK doing the same for goods coming into the UK from the EU. This could lead to prices rising and could also mean that there are lots of delays for goods to get into the country. Hi, it's Laurie here. Last week, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced that the UK would stop selling new diesel and petrol cars from 2030 as part of new plans to address the problem of climate change. Instead, all new cars manufactured after this point will need to run on electricity. The UK government has previously said that the sale of new petrol and diesel stands and cars would end in 2040 but they have now brought this forward by 10 years after extensive consultation with car manufacturers and sellers the government will continue to allow the sale of hybrid cars which can run on both petrol and electricity until 2035 Electric cars are acknowledged to be much better for the environment as electricity can be a renewable resource and cars that use electricity have no emissions so they don't pollute the environment resulting in cleaner air and fewer greenhouse gases. Hello, this is Lara again. This week, on the 19th of November, a huge international virtual climate change conference called Mock COP26 Bagan. This is a conference that has been set up by activists who want to discuss urgent climate change issues before the UN conference COP26, which was meant to be held in Glasgow in November, but has been delayed until 2021 because of the coronavirus pandemic. It is a really important event where representatives from lots of countries meet and discuss the ways in which we can tackle climate change. From Thursday the 19th of November until the 1st of December, more than 350 young environmental activists from 150 countries will hold discussions and hear from a range of climate experts. They will then come up with a list of demands that they want world leaders to act on. 
One of the organisers, Don Jaramillo, who is 21 and from Ecuador, said that we decided we had to do something because we are in a climate emergency. We want to raise ambitions and show world leaders how a COP should be run. We are not the leaders of the future, we are the leaders of today. Hi, it's Rose here. Last week it was Anti-Bullying Week, an annual awareness week organised by a group of charities called the Anti-Bullying Alliance, who were dedicated to tackling bullying. This year's Anti-Bullying Week theme is United Against Bullying. Martha Evans, director of the Anti-Bullying Alliance, told BBC Newsround, This year, Anti-Bullying Week is all about coming together. We wanted to show children and adults alike that we all have a part to play and we really can make a difference if we're united against bullying. Recently, the Anti-Bullying Alliance surveyed 2011 to 16 year olds about their experience of bullying in the past six months and discovered that 34% of children in England reported that they had been a victim with a big increase in online bullying. It's really important everyone works together to eliminate bullying from schools and communities and the Anti-Bullying Alliance has shared some helpful advice as to what we can do about it. Include others. Make sure there is no one left by themselves in the playground or ask others to play with you if they are feeling left out. Celebrate differences. Choosing to celebrate differences rather than being divided by discrimination and hate. If someone is different to you, get to know them better and you will find you have more in common than you might have thought. Keep your hands and feet to yourself. Never physically hurt anyone else. Respect everyone. Choose to be kind, not mean. Don't laugh at others. This can really hurt someone's feelings. Finally, if you are being bullied, please don't keep it a secret and ask a parent, friend, teacher or trusted adult for help. That's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed our show and thank you for listening.